You're listening to the Create a Life That Is Beautiful podcast with your host, Letitia Ringe, and this is episode number 23. So as I mentioned, the idea for the podcast was a complete download. You know, I just woke up from a nap with, you know, like the fully formed project. I knew, I knew it was a podcast. I knew it was a, for a French audience. I knew it was called Change Ma Vie, Outils pour l'Esprit, which means change my life, tools for the spirit. Um, and I knew what the format was. I knew um, I almost had like the first few, the structure of the first few episodes. So like within, within a minute, <laughs> you know, I woke up from that Sunday afternoon nap. beautiful. Welcome to episode 23 of the Create a Life That is Beautiful podcast. I'm your host, Letitia Ringe, and this podcast is designed to inspire, empower, and support you on the journey of uncovering your truth and purpose in the world. And of course, in creating a life that is beautiful to you. Thank you so much for being here. Today, I have a gorgeous, inspiring and equal parts down to earth and high vibe conversation with food blogger, writer, personal development podcaster and life coach Clotilde Du Soulier. Support for this episode comes from my very own brand new online course designed to reconnect you to your creativity, intuition, flow, sensuality, cycle, heart, and being in the essence of your feminine energy. Embrace Your Feminine Essence is a four-week online course with class beginning on the 3rd of July, and I'm so excited. This is for anyone who wants to connect with and understand their feminine energy and how to use it. Enrollment opens on the 25th of June, and you can find all the details over at LetitiaRinge.com forward slash Embrace Your Feminine Essence. And if you have any questions at all, please feel free to get in touch. Send me a DM on Instagram at Create a Life That Is Beautiful or shoot me an email. Okay. Clotilde is the writer behind the blog Chocolate and Zucchini. She's based in one of my favorite places in the world, the most romantic city of all, Paris. And she was one of the first food writers to the blogging industry, the food blogging industry, beginning her blog in 2003 and leaving her full-time job in software engineering two years later to pursue full-time writing about food and blogging. Since then, she's written a number of books. I think there's been at least six of them, including her latest book, Tasting Paris, 100 Recipes to Eat Like a Local, and also one which I'm very interested in purchasing myself, the French market cookbook, Vegetarian Recipes from My Parisian Kitchen. In addition to the successful career she has created in food blogging, Clotilde also, after going on her own self-development and mindset journey, with creativity as her gateway, found herself in the beautiful world of personal development, which you listening to this podcast right now are also a part of. And after enjoying particularly learning through podcasts like this one, she decided to start her own podcast, bringing some of what she was learning and loving to a French speaking audience. Her podcast is called Change Ma Vie, which in English translates to change my life. And quote, it took off like magic. 
Clotilde's story is a great example of flow, following your intuition, releasing resistance, and staying in your own lane. Clotilde is also a Flow with Intention alumni like myself, and she has just completed her certification as a life coach with one of my favorite life coaches and teachers in the world, Brooke Castillo from the Life Coach School in Dallas, USA. Brooke has been a huge influence on my work, uh, particularly when it comes to mindset. And also, she is the woman whose advice I followed to give up drinking alcohol using just her tools. I also used her tools to lose weight. So this is, she is fantastic and I'm so excited that Clotilde has studied with her. It's really incredible. This conversation is so good and a perfect example for anyone else wondering about manifestation, visualization, the law of attraction, and what it's like to be a food blogger or a blogger and to leave an office career behind. Clotilde talks us through how she manifested her successful podcast. So definitely stick around for that part of the conversation near the end. We talk about how to tell the difference between quitting out of fear and quitting when it's in alignment with your intuition. We also talk about knowing when the time is right to take the leap, which reminds me to mention that my online workshop on this topic for anyone looking to take the move from corporate to creative is coming up on Sunday, the 24th of June, where we go into a lot of the mindset stuff that stops you from taking that leap and also the practicalities and getting started. You can still purchase a ticket if you head over to LetitiaRinge.com forward slash workshops or over to my Instagram. Clotilde walks us through her own experience as a young woman wanting to be an actress to doing the work she does. And for any of our fellow Flow with Intention alumni, you will love seeing the flow at work in Clotilde's life. When we release the resistance to the how, we allow what we really want to manifest in the way it is meant to. The way we think something should show up is not always the way it's meant to. We need to remain open to the possibilities and Clotilde's story of wanting to be an actor and how that has come true in a way that she never planned or intended is a perfect example of this. There is a lot of other juicy material in this episode, my friend. I loved our conversation. We honestly could have spoken for days, including speaking about emotional adulthood, dealing with comparison and external validation, finding expanders in your life, creating space, taking radical ownership of your life, and of course, Clotilde's specific tips for finding purpose in your life. Let's dive on in to the episode. Hi, Clotilde. Welcome to the Create a Life That Is Beautiful podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to have you here with us today. And to get uh, our conversation started, could you tell our beautiful listeners a little bit about who you are and what you're currently creating in the world today? I would like that. Um, so my name is Clotilde Dussoulier. I am French and um, I am now on, on the, on, I am beginning my third career in life. So I started out, um, I'm in my late thirties now and I started out in software engineering. So I worked for a few years in that and that took me to California, which was, uh, so I grew up in France, but I, um, worked for a couple of years in California in Silicon Valley. And, um, and then I discovered that I was very passionate about food and cooking. And so I started a blog that is called chocolate and zucchini that I started in 2003 back when 
there were maybe 12 food blogs in the world. <laughs> and I was the first um, French person to ever create a food blog. So um, this started a new career in food writing. And so this is what I've been doing for the past 15 years. So I have published a number of books. My latest is called Tasting Paris. Mm. Um, and so it's a cookbook of Parisian recipes. And um, I've been writing for newspapers and magazines and for my website, Chocolate and Zucchini. And a few years ago, I um, started to get more and more interested in personal growth and, um, and just mind management in general. I got into it through creativity at first mm. because I had, you know, my creative practice. I was I was listening to a lot of podcasts about uh, creativity and then business and everything always converged to mindset and your view of the world and how we actually choose, you know, how we view situations and things. Um, and um, and so I got really interested in that and the different teachers that I found along the way, most of them through podcasts, mm. um, really changed my life. And um, and so I got to a point where I had a download one day that I had to create a podcast of my own um, in French to share all of those tools with um, a French-speaking audience because a lot of the podcasts that I listen to are um, – Mostly the ones that I listen to are American, and uh, that content is widely available in English. But um, for the French, it wasn't. I mean, that that um, that flavor of personal development was not available to the French, and mm. I thought that there was something to um, value to be created in that regard. And so I started my podcast. It's called Change Ma Vie, which means change my life. Mm. Um, um, I started it a year ago now, a little bit over a year ago, and it took off like magic. And um, I had visualized it so much that I actually wasn't that surprised <laughs> that it worked so well. And um, and so this has allowed me to um, to start a career in life coaching for which I am about to get um, certified through the Life Coach School, which is Brooke Castillo's um, coaching school. Oh, so many amazing moments there on your journey. I love how you've started off in software engineering and you've ended up in this super creative space, which is totally different to anything you would have ever imagined, you know, back when you were in the last few years of school or even when you were studying through university or in Silicon Valley, I bet you never would have imagined that you'd be where you are right now. Never. I have to say, though, that um, initially when I was um, a child and then a teenager and a student, um, my goal was to be an actress. And um, I really liked acting and I have found that it kind of came full circle with the speaking engagements and the you know, the voice performance through a podcast mm. is something that is, um, you know, it, it plays into the success of a podcast, whether or not you deliver your content in an appealing way. So true. I, oh, I, that, I resonate so much with what you've just said, because uh, I too, as a child, I love doing drama and I have always fantasized about being an actress, but it was never the path that I ended up taking because I went into law and needed to have, you know, a professional job. And yeah, so I can resonate a lot with my own work today, doing a lot of podcasting and speaking. It is a type of performance. And actually I am seeing a lot of 
Diff- I feel like this is where, you know, things are shifting because you've got more influencers who are really into personal development or health and wellness, and they're able to tap into the, you know, the performance without having to go into some into acting, which I think is actually a really exciting. So thank you for sharing that. And also it just shows how important it is to look back to what we enjoyed doing as a child, because there is so much information to be learned about ourselves there. Very true. Another thing is that I wanted to either be a writer or an actress. Mm -hmm. And I saw myself as writing fiction, but I ended up writing about food for 15 years. And so the writing was definitely a seed that was you know, present from the time that I learned how to write. And so it's, it's interesting how things come full circle. Absolutely. And I'm just thinking again, me too. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? You just, I mean, that's the thing we can't, and this, so we've both studied in uh, Jess Lively's Flow with Intention course, and she talks a lot about, you know, not shutting ourselves off by focusing on how we do things, but allowing ourselves to be open for the possibilities. And this is this is a really great example of the difference because as kids, we think, all right, I want to be an actress or I want to be a writer. And um, so we think, okay, there's only, you know, two ways to do that. We go, we might, maybe we become a journalist or we write books or, you know, we go and for acting and we go through drama school and we do all of that. But when we leave it open and, you know, simply follow our inspiration and our curiosity along the way, look where it, we can end up. We could never possibly have imagined that we'd both be doing the work that we're doing here today. You know, I'm, I'm getting goosebumps from you um, laying it out that way because I had never seen it as an example of, you know, um, focusing on the what and releasing resistance or attachment um, to the how. Yes. Um, that's a beautiful way of seeing it. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I love that you mentioned there about releasing the resistance because uh, for anyone who's listening and doesn't understand about what we might be talking about with flow, part of it is if you have, if you're experiencing a lot of um, upstream, this is what, what the language that Jess uses, where things just aren't flowing to you, you know, you're trying to go after something and it's just not happening. There's a lot of roadblocks that can actually be because you've got your own resistance. You're too attached to the outcome, you know, so you're closing yourself off from other possibilities. But when you release the resistance and simply, you know, flow through life, so allowing yourself to go with what's easy, what's flowing, what feels like fun, just simply thinking about what is flowing to you in the present moment that removes the resistance and you find that you get where you wanted to go um, much yes. quicker. And it's exactly what happened when I was, so I was in my, um, I must have been 19 when I um, decided not to become an actress. And what happened then was that um, I had gone into, I had gone to study software engineering because although my parents were supportive my, of my desire to become an actress, they knew that I was doing well in school and that it would be they encouraged me to kind of have a backup plan. Mm. And so they thought, you know, if, if, if you have uh, the abilities to study something that's like a hardcore, like an actual job, mm-hmm. you know, you might as well get that um, and also do drama on the side. Okay. Um, 
And so as a student, I was I was um, uh, I was studying software engineering, but at the same time, I wanted to take an audition to get into an acting school. Mm-hmm. And that audition was um, was kind of a, um, a bad moment for me where all of a sudden I found that the vibe in that room, the competition, the judgment, it was just not flowing to me at all. And just like that, you know, it was it was kind of difficult for my ego to not be admitted and to have such a such a bad emotional experience around mm. it. But this just like that, you know, I was like, this is not for me. And the um, this was around. Um, so it was 1998 or so. And this was really the beginning of the Internet. And mm. I saw that this was very exciting to me. And so I went into it like, you know, with an open heart, because this was so exciting to me. This wasn't something that I did as kind of a consolation prize. You know, I was really flowing into mm-hmm. it. And um, and also I had my, my boyfriend and he was really into it. And so this was not like, a, um, I was not disappointed to not do the acting. I just gave it up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's nice to imagine that it kind of came back in another form, yeah. uh, you know, decades later. <laughs> Definitely. And I don't if you go back to that moment when you did decide to, you know, get to not to not go down that path, did it feel like a very peaceful decision at that time? It did. It really felt like something um like a an internal knowing that um this was just not not for me. And I remember that I had um debated it with myself a little bit thinking, well, you know, those who make it are the ones who, you know, uh, get a tougher skin and just fight through it. And I was like, I don't, I don't have that. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't have it in me to, um, go through auditions where I feel so much comparison and competition. This is just not my environment of comfort. And, um, and I just thought, you know what, you know, this is not, this is not what I want to do. And I also did not want to do the amateur, um, you know, theater thing where you have zero budget and you just, you know, you have to do everything yourself. I was just not into that either. So it was like, okay, this is not for me. And I just flowed on to the next thing. That's fantastic. And, you know, what you're talking about there, that decision that you made for anyone who might be listening and not uh, understand what you're, um, what you were feeling into, that is that intuitive knowing that is that peaceful place Uh, where, you know, through logic, you might not be able to explain it, but you just know, so it can be a gut feeling. And um, this, for anyone listening, is a big part of our feminine energy, which is something I really love to talk a lot about. And I'm releasing a course very soon. And, you know, intuition is a big part of it. And so see that it's sometimes we can get our, um, if we see, if there's resistance, you know, there's something we might feel like we're giving up on the one hand out of fear, or it can be, you know, a very clear decision where you know that this isn't the right path for you. And so the decision comes from a place of peace rather than of, you know, confusion or a shrinking. You don't feel like you're shrinking or hiding. You feel expanded in making the decision. Yes. So I think that's a really beautiful example. Yes. And even though obviously I wasn't consciously thinking about it like that at the time, certainly my ego then would have pushed me to persevere yes. because I was not a quitter. And um, deciding to give up on my dream of like 10 years mm-hmm. <laughs> felt like quitting. But part of me knew that it wasn't really quitting. It was releasing a dream that wasn't true to what the reality of that path was for me at the time. And um 
And so I just kind of, and I was surprised at the ease with which I was able to just, you know, move on to the next chapter. <laughs> yeah. And that's very telling in itself because that's flow. As you said, you flowed into the next chapter. Yes, definitely. So, so Did that, not look back ever. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. And you mentioned as well about needing, you know, society sort of saying we need a tougher skin or, and, you know, not wanting to be a quitter. We get a lot of these messages and still today, you know, this is how our society has been created for many, many decades. So this is not only are we dealing with, you know, with, with our ego, which might be attaching on to the identity of whatever we want, but we're also dealing with all of these messages around us from our society from other people and we think that these are our own beliefs about ourselves. and then we've got this inner knowing where it will you know it's very we can't predict where it's going to go so it's quite difficult when we've got all these separate and conflicting messages around us but I think the the your example is the perfect example because it's just all about what is uh, where is it a peaceful decision, you know? Yes. And um, I had the same sort of knowing when I uh, switched careers from being a software engineer to becoming a food writer. What happened was that I had created my food blog and um, it quickly it, it quickly um, grew in audience because I was partly because I was in the right place at the right time because I was very early in the development of food blogs and also because I was French and I was writing in English about French food. Um, I found my niche in a way. And when the food blog movement exploded, I was for a long time, um, fairly, um, unique in what I was offering. And so, um, so the traffic grew and more important than the traffic, it was my, um, my enjoyment of it Mm -hmm. that really grew. And I, I thought, you know, this is exactly what I want to be doing. And, um, and so I was still doing both. So for a while I was working my day job and then doing the food blog on the side. And I reached a point where, um, um, you know, I, I found a lot of dissatisfaction in my office work mm-hmm. and the emotional component um, was impossible to miss in the sense that even though intellectually I was like, well, this is a good job. The people that I work with are lovely. It's a small company. I love small companies. I get to do a bunch of different things that are very interesting. But I remember I was going to work with like a stone in my stomach. I would sometimes burst into tears just on, you know, on the doorstep. You know, I was saying goodbye to my boyfriend and I would would just burst into tears at the idea of going to work, even though the work itself was not a problem. And I remember I was on the way to work and I was fantasizing about maybe breaking my ankle so that I could go to the ER and not go to work. Oh. And it's like, when you're in this situation, it's probably that you're not, you know, <laughs> this is not the place for you. And again, it was nothing against that job. It was just that my heart was elsewhere. Yes. And, and so when I found that the food writing and the food blog was just feeding me on, a, on such a deeper level, I kind of, again, I did not really know how to make it work. But I just knew that this was where this was where I wanted to go, and I and there was no such thing as a professional blogger back then, you know, because this was like <laughs> 2004. Yeah. Um, and so I started to you know ex- ex- experiment with a bunch of different things and a d- bunch of different assignments, and I pitched ideas and I tried to you know do freelance writing. And what ended up being the push for me was um, I um, I wrote a book proposal and then I sold. Um, I sold the book proposal. And so I got an advance. 
I got a contract. I had, you know, a big project to take on that seemed to provide enough structure that I felt safe. Um, you know, I felt confident in the fact that I would have something to do, um, mm. you know, for a full year to write the book. Yep. And part of it was that I was, I was young, you know, when I quit, I was 26. Um, and I didn't have children. And so I was thinking, you know, worst comes to worst, I do this for a year, and then I go back to an office job, you know, it's and, and yeah. then it will be my crazy food writing adventure. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so there, was, there wasn't very much, um, I did not dread it. Um, and, and I'm happy to say that I never had to go back. Yeah. And I don't think I it's unlikely that I ever will now. But, um, uh, but certainly listening to the emotional reality of my situation. Um, that was very different from what it looked like from the outside yeah. was really key for me. That's a really important point. And also I think what's really important there too, is that you, so like when you gave up on the actress, um, would dream of going to drama school and thought, you know, I'm not a quitter and it, that didn't feel like the right thing to persevere through comparing that to then with the food uh, writing which at that time because you're trying lots of different things you would have had a number of things that didn't work a number of things that did and so there's a perfect opportunity to be resilient but there it was a it was something you wanted to be to be resilient with you know I yes. think that's really yeah. important for people because <laughs> yes. we're, we they, we talk about resilience a lot and that being a really important quality in a person and I think people can think if they give up too soon on just anything then that means they're not resilient but it's knowing when that's the right time for you to be exercising you know your resilience muscle. That's very true and there's a difference between re resilience and obstination mm -hmm. um, and um, and I think what's what's key, or at least what has been key for me, is how you feel about it. Mm -hmm. And with the actress thing, I I could not have stayed in that emotional state with the software engineering. I could not. It was just obvious to me that I couldn't stay mm -hmm. in that emotional situation, um, even though you know um, materially I could have stayed. You know, it would have been fine, but I was just not willing to put myself through this. And with the food blog, I have to say. I, um, what was, what was hard for me was that first year of, um, being, of, of working for myself mm -hmm. for the first time in my entire life, <laughs> because when you're, you know, when you're a kid, that's cool. And then you're a student and then you work for, you know, within the structure of a company, you're always told you're given structure, you're given assignments, you're told what to do, yeah. which sometimes is good. And sometimes is bad, but at least you have structure. And all of a sudden I remember I was, I felt a little bit lost and I was I had a lot of doubts um, you know I was thinking who cares what I have to say and am I going to be able to do it and what if it's a complete flop and um, you know so a lot of do doubts to struggle with a lot of tears that were shed but never you know it, it, it wasn't the kind of tears that made me think okay let's go back to the office mm -hmm. job it was tears that I really wanted to get through to the other side yeah and I don't know how I knew the difference but I did yeah, that's uh, really important because uh, Elizabeth Gilbert, she talks about, and I don't know if it's in a book, but I've seen her interviewed talking about this, like no matter what you choose. And actually, I think she does talk about it in Big Magic. No matter what you choose is, you know, your passion or your um, career, whether you love it or you don't, everything is going to have its negatives 
and it's positive. And she calls it a shit sandwich, you know, everything's got its own <laughs> shit sandwich. And so she says it's about which one, you know, <laughs> do you want to eat because yeah. which one's worth it to you, you know, and not nothing is going to be, you know, all the time just positive. There's always going to be the negatives to deal with. So yeah, that's, it's, you know, is it worth it to you? Is it something, you know, are, are these negatives worth persevering through? Yes. For? And it's a matter of learning to tell the difference between when you feel bad because you're going against your intuition mm-hmm. and when you feel bad because you're stretching your, you know, stretching your wings and trying to grow, you know, growing pains versus swimming upstream, yes. <laughs> if you see what I mean. And, and and certainly when you're going out of your comfort zone, there is discomfort. And it's just, um, it's just a matter of recognizing, you know, what I am feeling, is it part of getting out of my comfort zone? Or is this a stop sign that says, you know, this is not what you really want to do. Yeah. And I think it's up to each of us to you know, obviously writing to your intuition is always helpful. Yes. Um, but um, it's up to each of us to know how to tell, to, to learn how to tell the difference by experimentation mm-hmm. and seeing, well, if I give this up, do I feel better? And do I feel better because it feels safe? Or do I feel better because it's right? Or, you know, do I feel better because I've gone back to the cave? Um, exactly. And, and nobody can teach you that. that you, you can guide people, but it's something that you have to Uh, learn to recognize within yourself absolutely and because uh the way our intuition speaks to us that is different for different people you know some people find uh, let's say with jess's writing to your intuition that to be really difficult and that's because we all have our own intuitive library so and it's only through you know when we don't listen to it and then we and then we know ah that was an intuitive nudge uh okay so next time if I experience that I'll know so yeah as you say I completely agree that it all it is all about experience and I think just back to your point about the not having any structure um when you first start your you know running your own business. Yeah. That's something that I found and experienced myself. And it's very confronting at first because it is, you know, that structure is really important. That's what you've been using. You know, if you are someone who's moving from a career into um, self-employment, it's the first time in your life, maybe since uh, university, you know, where you've got a lot of time and, um, and we procrastinate and all of our insecurities come up, you know, there's a lot more space all of a sudden. And so that is the perfect ground for, you know, our ego to run wild and to also to doubt ourselves. And so, so that I think super confronting for people and is definitely, you know, that if there, I always say if there's any sort of um, issues going on for you before you move into self-employment, they're definitely going to rear their head. <laughs> yes, definitely. And um, in my, in my specific experience, um, I have to say it wasn't so much the structure in terms of, um, you know, assignment and deadlines because I was always a fairly organized and fairly um, 
driven person. Mm -hmm. I was the kind of person who got things done, you know, a week before it was due because I wanted that margin of security. Um, (laughs) What was what what I was missing was, um, well, part of it was that I was attempting to do something that I had never done before, Mm -hmm. which was to write a book. And nobody teaches you how to write a book. Nobody teaches you how to write a cookbook. Now there are a lot of resources. But back then, you know, it was like the the experienced cookbook authors were not teaching their craft. So I kind of had to make it up as I went along. But what was what I was missing was the the ability to rely on external validation because when you're when you're in a company, you know your team lead or your manager or your boss, you know tells you whether you're you're doing great or you're not doing great. And so if they say you're doing great, then you know it's fine. You're doing great, and you don't have to doubt yourself. Whereas when you're on your own, you know even you know your readers might tell you what they think but some will think it's good and some will think it's disappointing (laughs) and so you have to kind of uh, internalize that validation and it's something that nobody teaches you how to do (laughs) and especially when you're you know in your mid-20s it's um you know this is to me this is what growing up means it's internalizing everything that you previously relied on other people to do for you, you know, emotionally, you know, it's the emotional adulthood. Uh, that's really the hard part of becoming a grown up, and, and certainly starting your own business is, is the fast track to that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You'll suddenly have to decide everything for yourself. And I think that's a really great point that you made about external validation, because, well, when we think about it through, we, we learn to seek external validation from, you know, the moment we go to school and probably before that as well, you know, we don't want to upset our parents. We'll get in trouble if we, you know, do the wrong thing. So it's from a, such an early age and when, you know, importantly, our subconscious is being formed. So we are real rule abiders that's the way our society is created as well you know so when we go away and we get to make up the rules for ourselves, that is uh it's overwhelming you know yes and you can get lost in that yes yes and um and I think what what happens for a lot of us is that at first we don't we, we don't understand right away that it's up to us to make those rules and then stick to them. And so we kind of thrash about looking for, you know, jumping from one kind of validation to the next. Yes. But we keep looking for it outside of ourselves. Yes. And we don't, it takes a while to understand. And for me, it's probably taken about a decade to understand that, you know, it's an inside job. Validation is an inside job. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. And I mean, this is what coaching is all about because it's guiding a person back to themselves. And I think a lot of people have a, um, the, a, there are a lot of misconceptions out there about coaching that, you know, you're getting someone to give you the answers. And that's the difference between, say, consulting and coaching, where you would get a business consultant and you'd be getting their expert advice about how to do something. With coaching, you are the coach is simply guiding and facilitating the space for a person to find the answers within them. Yes, definitely. Mm. And that's so that's that's so wonderful that, you know, back then you experienced it will looking back at, at that experience. Now you can see that what you really needed was just, well, what you needed to learn was how to look within rather than seeking it from outside yourself. 
Hi gorgeous, it's Letitia here again, just pausing for a moment to talk to you to give you some more information about my online course, Embrace Your Feminine Essence, which is supporting this gorgeous episode today. Two key components of feminine energy and therefore this course are creativity and intuition. Many of us don't actually believe that we're creative or connected to our intuition. We find it really difficult to understand what it even is. But the truth of the matter is that we are all creative and we are all intuitive. We just need to release the grip. And shifting from viewing creativity and our intuition as something we receive rather than something that is something that we own, that is us. Take a look at people like Clotilde and I coming from careers that don't seem creative at all and now fully immersed as creatives. You don't have to choose whether you are creative or not, whether you are intuitive or not. You just are. And these are two of my favorite topics, and I'm honored to be teaching many tools for both in Embrace Your Feminine Essence, my four-week online course. You can check out the details at LetitiaRinge.com forward slash Embrace Your Feminine Essence. How did you get through that initial phase? Um, it was messy. <laughs> it was it was messy, and it took a really long time for me to. Um, and I think I did not. Um, you know, now that I have more tools, I could advise someone at that juncture in a more efficient way. And I kind of had to create my own um, system, and and so it was a lot more um, um, painful. And I, I tried a lot of things, and so. Um, I tried things that were kind of intuitive, you know, the idea of um, learning how to put comments in perspective, you know, when you get criticisms or, or validate or, or praise, um, you know, what to do with either one of those things. And um, I remember once hearing on a podcast that um, you couldn't, you couldn't develop, you, if, if you did want, not want to get hurt by the negative comments, you couldn't rely on the positive comments to, you know, build you back up. And I remember feeling so much resistance to that because I was like, don't take away my, my, <laughs> no, my positive, you know, don't take away my praise. Cause you know, and, and so this is just a sign that I was still, so what I had learned to do was just build myself up from the positive feedback that I got and trying to, you know, not listen to or not give too much importance to the occasional negative feedback that yep. I had, but this wasn't sustainable. And no. so I found that, you know, it's only later. And I think it's also something that comes with time and with, um, you know, I'm 38 now and all of those coaching tools I, I learned about in my early thirties, early to mid thirties, mm -hmm. having children also mm -hmm. kind of puts you in right in the thick of it. <laughs> and, um, and I'm actually glad that it took me that long because I, I have tried so many things that I know, um, I, I know what it looks like. I know what it feels like to look for answers and not find them for a while. And I just love the entire journey really. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's all so important. And, you know, we always talk about uh, with Jess as well about the importance of contrast. And we only know that by experiencing the contrast ourselves. And that's why it's so important. You know, we, we can't always be feeling good. We need to be able to feel bad and to allow ourselves to experience those times when we are feeling bad so that we know what to do with it. You know, what is it? What are our emotions telling us? 
That's very true. That's very true. And um, and what I like also looking back on this path is that there are a lot of things that I did intuitively and sort of um, by, I don't know, I just chanced upon um, behaviors or mindsets or ways of looking at things or ways of approaching things that I now with more perspective, understand that I was, for instance, using the law of attraction mm. <laughs> without, you know, uh, making the law of attraction work in my favor without, without really realizing it. And so it's really fun to use my, you know, almost four decades of life experience and understand in the light of those tools that I now understand a lot better when I was going in the right direction and when I was kind of swimming upstream or having resistance. So that's really interesting to draw from. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me, you um, so you were in, you moved into full time food writing, blogging, and like when did the blogging industry become a thing? Uh, so I remember that there was a big um, media coverage around two thousand and five. There was kind okay. of a first. It's like every daily newspaper in the U.S. ran an article about food blogs and what they were and what a blog was. And so there was a big boom at that time. And then around, I guess, 2009, there was another new wave. And there was another new wave around 2012 or 2013. And it has just grown and grown and grown. And um, what happened with the food blogging industry is that, um, like all internet businesses, when I started out, it was all very uh, happy-go-lucky and we we just didn't really know what we were doing we were just doing it for fun mm -hmm. and gradually it became more and more um, professionalized and a number of us decided to go full-time and so trying to get an income and the average level of the food blog you know the quality of the content and the recipes and the photos became higher and the complexity of running a food blog a successful food blog <laughs> you know, increased dramatically with all of those social media platforms. And so it really became something that really looks like a full-time job. Mm. And, um, and I don't have a judgment either way about the way it is just the way that it unfolded. I, for myself, I'm glad that I was able to find my voice and my, um, and, and, and practice my craft back when there was very little at stake. Mm. Uh, because I imagine that if you start now, you know, the comparison trap <laughs> must be yeah. like wide open. <laughs> Whereas, you know, back then it was just like a dozen of us and there was no French person. Nobody was really doing what I was doing. So I had a lot of time to play in my little sandbox mm. before I felt like anyone was looking at what I was doing. Yeah. Um, you were an early adopter. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm kind of an OG. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Cause I, I hear a lot about, you know, uh, 2012, 2013, when that massive wave happened or a lot of people who started even then with podcasting that it was, you know, not really a thing. And the people who started then and, and stayed with it, they've, you know, got big names and big, huge audiences for themselves. And they talk about, you know, needing to make it up for themselves. So I imagine that's exactly what you're talking about with the, with blogging first starting out it and having that less pressure. It, the, when even just the word pressure makes me feel the pressure because <laughs> 
it is there's you feel like you're under a microscope today in a lot of ways with the way social media is you know even if you're not um, using it for your business but I think personally everything is um, there to be seen if you're someone who uses it to you know like often so that can make things very confronting for a person and also it's um, going back to that external validation it is a trap to fall into external validation again because we're constantly, you know, seeking likes and comments from people and that yeah. and then that makes us feel like, you know, well, I'm enough. I've got enough followers. I've got enough people liking my stuff. And that's, you know, personally or professionally. Yes. But in, in this regard, I guess I was um, from the very beginning, I I stuck to I stuck with this idea that you know, I was really doing this because I loved to do it. And mm -hmm. I would not, you know, it's it's funny because Jess often talks about sacrificing her alignment for nothing or no one. And I think professionally, I um, I was always very much guided by by what 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 excited me, what lit me up. And I turned down a bunch of opportunities that just didn't resonate mm -hmm. with me. And I remember when those opportunities presented themselves, um, you know, part of me was like, well, this is maybe the opportunity to really make it big and maybe have a television show. And and then, you know, if if I was attentive to the way that I felt about those things and it did not and I did not ha get a yes inside, mm. you know, there was just no price tag, <laughs> you know, that there was no price you could pay me to go against that feeling. Mm. No, and it wasn't always a matter of a price tag, but like a promise or like a shiny, um, shiny penny yeah, or, shiny penny. you know, and so, and I'm talking especially about the television thing because over time, you know, food television has really developed over the 15 years that I've had a food blog. And so I've had several opportunities of starting something around, you know, and the idea of having a national television show in the U S where I would, you know, cook French food. And I don't know, something in me just was never in alignment with that. And mm -hmm. either with the people or the project or one time there was alignment, but nothing came of it. Mm -hmm. And I was fine with it. <laughs> and and I think looking back, I see that I always um, conducted my business really following what made me feel good. Mm -hmm. And if I just did not feel like it, I would not do it. If I did not feel like publishing a post or doing, you know, a sponsored something or using a social media platform that just made me feel like ick or overwhelmed or tired just thinking about it, you know, I would just not do it. And and looking back, I see that this is what creates, you know, magnetism. Yep. <laughs> because then, you know, you're I I I feel like and I don't know where it came from because I did not know about those things. Yeah. So I just kind of intuitively follow that that path, but um, but I see that one decision after another kind of created that. I, I stayed on my own lane. Yeah, I guess is, yes. is is basically what 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 I did, and and I think it wasn't necessarily because I thought well this is the way to go. It's just that I saw that if I try to get on other people's lanes or try to get faster than them, mm -hmm. it did not feel good. And yeah. so I, I knew to keep my eyes on my road uh, yeah. because it just, I remember as a kid, I did not like to do races yes. with other children. I would rather have each child run and we would, you know, time the run, mm -hmm. but yeah. I wanted to run on my own. I did not like the idea of having someone 
run beside me and try to run faster. Yeah. It's just, it's just not my thing. And so I try to not put myself in those situations. Yeah, you're not motivated by the competition. Not at all. I yeah. really need to do my own thing and be in my own bubble. And um, But I think it's my intention is more to protect myself than to exclude others. You know, yes. it's not that I don't care about others. It's just that I know that it's not helpful to me and it does not put me in the right frame of mind to do my best work. Mm, yeah, absolutely. That's so important to know. So did you was did you come to these realizations after doing Jess's flow with intention when it comes to, you know, uh, making decisions based on intuition rather than ego and also about fl- like the the flow that you've experienced in your life? Yes, um I think what what this course um helped me do is um it helped me identify in all of the things that I tried to do to navigate my career over those 15 years, it helped me pinpoint the parts of it that, that were the secret of, of, Mm. of my, of my happy career. Um, and solidify those, those aspects and Mm. just, you know, cause, cause when you try a bunch of things and altogether it's working, you don't know what you can let go of because yes. that's not actually um, doing anything <laughs> or it might actually be detracting from your you know, forward movement. And so it really helped me pinpoint what parts of it were key mm. and, and really um, hone in on those aspects to just do more of what was working. Yeah. And also because Jess takes it to such um, a more extreme <laughs> level of just like, not doing her taxes and not yeah. checking her email <laughs> and it's just to be you know I'm not there yet but she because she's so um uh relatable for the kind of people that we are you know yep. she's you know in terms of age and lifestyle and choices and taste you know she's relatable yeah. you know I see her and I'm like well this if if it works for her then I can move in that direction and it's the same with Brooke Castillo in different ways mm. um that she she is an example of what's possible. Both of them yeah. are for me examples of what's possible. And it has opened up my world in a way that I hadn't um, anticipated or could not have imagined yeah. because you really need, um, I don't know if you're uh, familiar with um, Lacey Phillips. Yes, I do. Um, yeah, I am. And yep. so she talks about expanders. Yep. And um, for me, Brooke Castillo and Jess Lively are definitely expanders mm. because I look at what they're doing and I see I don't compare myself with them in a, in a detrimental way, yep. but they're kind of forging a path forward. And I see that there's room out there that there's, you know, that this is a direction that I can go in and they're kind of, yeah, they're lighting the path ahead. Yeah, They're inspiring you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, what's so important. Yeah. And I mean, that's a good point um, when it comes back to like any sort of comparison when it's comparison, uh, when, yeah, when you're at, when you feel that you're comparing yourself and it's making you feel bad, then that's something to stop. But then there is, you know, wanting to be inspired by people. And I think that's super important. Uh, if you have a look at, uh, you know, there's always that quote about, you know, environment being stronger than willpower and that we are, you know, the five closest people to us. I, I, I 100% agree with that. So I think it's so important to, you know, curate your own environment. Um, and we are so, it's such a luxury to be able to do that and have anyone in the world, you know, be able to 
connect with them through social media and online. So uh, yeah, it's that difference. Is the person inspiring you? Are they an expander? Or um, is this person making you feel bad about yourself and distracting you, you know, yes. and then that's when to that's that's when not to maybe follow them or or uh, or to follow them. Yes, absolutely. So I also love that you're studying with Brooke Castillo because she's amazing and she is who I followed everything she said to do when it came to um, stopping drinking. And yeah, so she has a three-part podcast series, which I always share to anyone who wants to either reduce how much they drink or stop drinking altogether. And she very much focuses, you know, on the brain and, you know, Jess does focuses a lot on the science as well. So to combined, they're both really amazing, but in different ways. And um, yeah, so I love Brooke's approach when it comes to mindset and the brain and, you know, changing habits and, and seeing it from, you know, an ev- evolutionary point of view. And so I just, her three-part series that she did about um, drinking allowed me to be able to stop drinking without any issues whatsoever. So I think that's so fantastic that you're, you know, studying with Brooke because she's so amazing. Yeah, she has provided so many, um, you know, aha moments and, um, just, she, she has provided me with, um, just ways of looking at relationships and situations that are, um, incredibly empowering. And I don't think I ever really understood what empowerment meant. It always felt like a little bit of a, you know, um, just cheesy, uh, concept, but everything that Brooke Castillo teaches is really to put you back in the driver's seat of your experience. And sometimes it means um, not necessarily taking the easy road, mm-hmm. but um, just deciding that you're going to be the person that you want to be and what it looks like, what it actually looks like in different situations. Um, and I find that so powerful and the people that I've had, uh, the opportunity to coach have had great success also from, from learning these tools. Mm. Yeah. I love that you talk about empowerment because yeah, that she is, if I had to use one word about her, I think that's a really great word to use. And it's, a, it's also something that we all are really seeking because when we are put into, as you say, the driver's seat of our life or just into, you know, we feel like, okay, I create my life. I decide I, I am powerful rather than into our victim, which is when, and, and, you know, when we're tied up in ego and identity and in all our stories that we tell ourselves, you know, our whole life, we can tell that story in one way that's super, um, empowering, or we can tell it in a way that gives us no power whatsoever. And the way that makes you feel is obviously completely different. And the way that you then view yourself and your ability to create is completely different. So yeah, I I think um, empowerment, that's so important. Yes. yes. And also releasing um, the attachment to um, always looking for somebody to blame, Mm -hmm. some excuse to explain things. And it's the idea that what I love about Brooke's approach is that she sometimes tells you, well, you know, this is true and you see that it is true, but it's not serving you. Mm. <laughs> and so if you, if, if you stay 
if you remain attached to that thought and that way of seeing things as, as you currently are, you're just going to create more of the same. And so if you want different things to happen in your life, you're just going to have to change the way that you see your life. Yeah. And, and, um, and what's great about her approach is that she doesn't just stop at those kind of, you know, macro concepts, mm. because then she gets into the nitty gritty of it. And she's like, well, when your sister-in-law comes and she doesn't help to put things into the dishwasher, what do you do? Yeah. <laughs> and, and so she was really like, cause, um, life isn't like grand concepts. Life mm. is a succession of those small frustrations and small annoyances that really poison your, you know, your daily experience. And so if you can get rid of those, all of a sudden you get a wider picture of what is my life and what do I do, you know, what do I want to create in this lifetime? Yeah, absolutely. And it's choosing to do something differently because, you know, most of what we're doing is just automatic responses. And so that initial period of trying to change our behavior is very awkward. And we need to think uh, in advance of uh, these situations, how we're going to choose to respond to rather than choosing to, um, you know, automatically respond in the way that we've been doing uh, probably for years. Yes. And, and one of the things that I thought was so true, um, because it, it so resonates with me is the idea that to change your way of thinking, you have to be willing to have been wrong all of those years. And this is not easy, <laughs> especially, I mean, I, I tend to be the person who wants to be right all the time yeah. and wants to insist on what I said and what I chose. And, and if you, if you can't admit I mean, if you can't be okay with the fact that you were wrong, you're never going to change. Mm. And so that's oftentimes why it's so difficult to change because it's 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 admitting that the way that you've been doing things all this time was not was not serving you. And so you're left with that with that idea and this is uncomfortable. But it gets easier once you try on that new way of doing things and that you can be happy with the new result that you're creating. And understand that all of those years of doing it the old way have just created momentum to adopt new ways of, of being and doing and thinking. Yeah, absolutely. It is very confronting when you realize that, oh, actually, I've, I'm the one who's got me to where I am today. And if I don't like it, that's... <laughs> <laughs> That's my me, fault, yes. not someone else's. Exactly. <laughs> That's so true. It is hard. And and I, I noticed this and I noticed it within myself, you know, before I started to um, get my power back in, in my life, um, you know, you'd be triggered by some things that people would say because it would make you question your own relationship with yourself or your own life. And so I think whenever I'm triggered today, you know, with my new perspective, and obviously we're always, we're always getting triggered still. I, um, I look at that as an opportunity to, uh, learn something about myself. You know, what is, what is, what do I need to face? Why is that person triggering me? It's not an issue with the person. It is something within me. Yes. And, and what I think is an important distinction is that oftentimes when you're, um, when you are told to take responsibility for your actions and your way of thinking and the results in your life, it feels like you're put on the spot and you're accused of something. Mm. But in truth, taking responsibility means that if it was me all along, then it's up to me to change everything. Yeah. And, and so this is what gives you your power back is that if I'm responsible for what has happened, I'm also 
I have, you know, it's, it's within my power to change it. Yeah. If it was the others all along, then, you know, it's hard to change other people. You know, yeah, I, I don't recommend it because it's kind of a waste <laughs> of energy. Yeah, and, and so it's the idea that if I'm so powerful in creating my own experience, then, you know, what do I want to do differently? And, and, and when you try it and you really apply, apply yourself to it, the results are so incredibly life changing that you don't spend very much time thinking of all of those years that you've been, you know, you yeah. allow others to trigger you without, you know, thinking that it's their fault and not your thoughts. Yeah. Because you're just busy living your amazing life. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and also I think, you know, um, throughout that process, that's why forgiveness is so important. You know, we can um, forgive maybe people in our life who have wronged us, but most importantly, forgiving ourselves for uh, what, you know, what we deem as, once we take responsibility for all the things that have happened in our life, then also taking uh, forgiving ourselves for what we like look back on and think, you know, why did I do that? Uh, because, you know, it w- we wouldn't be in the position we are today if we hadn't made the choices that we did. So I think it's really beautiful to realize that, you know, no matter who you are, where you are, um, if you're listening to this right now, you know, you are exactly where you need to be. And, and you have the choice to, um, you know, wake up and take that, um, take your power back at any moment, but you know, there's nothing that you can do to change the past and, um, and, and everything was meant to unfold in the way that it has. Yeah. And, and the quicker you can learn to love every step that you had to go through to get to this point, um, the easier it will be to move forward. Because if part of your brain is still processing past events and, and throwing blame around, including it yourself, it's hard to have the mental energy to create anything new. Mm. Um, cause you know, we have very limited mental energy every day. Yeah. And so we have to choose wisely what, what we decide to devote it to. Because it's just going to create more of the same. So yeah, absolutely. Oh, this is so fascinating. Thank you so much for sharing. And I also just wanted to ask because you mentioned with the podcast that you had um, visualized, you know, what you wanted to happen. So could you tell us a little bit more about, you know, what you did there? Sure. So um, I learned about uh, visualization mostly through um, Abraham Hicks, mm-hmm. um, and I immediately was drawn to it because I, again, could feel how good it made me feel, (laughs) you know, just, um, going, you know, um, going on a road trip to, you know, my destined, my imagined destination. And, um, so as I mentioned, the idea for the podcast was a complete download. Mm -hmm. You know, I just woke up from a nap with, you know, like the fully formed project. I knew, I knew it was a podcast. I knew it was a for French audience. I knew it was called Change Ma Vie, Outil pour l'Esprit, which means Change My Life, Tools for the Spirit. Um, and I knew what the format was. I knew um, I almost had like the first few, the structure of the first few episodes. So like within within a minute, you know, I woke up from that Sunday afternoon nap. And, um, and so I decided to use those tools to create the podcast around mm-hmm. those tools. And so I, I um, very intentionally tried to visualize um, what, um, so I visualized myself, my, my podcast in the new and noteworthy on iTunes. I visualized um, 
bumping into a friend at the park with our children and her saying, uh, you know, I, I listened to your podcast. It's amazing. I visualize people saying, well, you know, the podcast changed my life. And um, I visualize myself recording it. I visualize myself, um, you know, feeling proud and happy and developing a coaching practice. And all of those things unfolded in a way that is just eerily like the exact same, you know, just down to the friend bumping into me at the park and saying, you know, <laughs> you know, I've been listening to your <laughs> podcast and it's amazing, <laughs> you know, and, and so it's just, um, I don't know. I don't know where the magic comes from. Um, you can, I think you can explain it rationally and you can explain it magically and, you know, every listener will choose <laughs> what yeah. they decide to believe. Um, but it really, it really works. I've, yeah. I've used it to find a new apartment as well, you know, Amazing. to find, to find a shared office. Um, and, um, yeah, I couldn't recommend it more. Oh, and actually my, my podcast episode on visualization, uh, is one of the most downloaded of, uh, of my, <laughs> of my podcast, um, uh, probably because I talk within it about how I visualize the podcast yeah. <laughs> you know, using visualization. So that's kind of a looping thing. That's fun. Yeah. I think it's a really hot topic at the moment as well. You know, people are, have become way more open to the idea of visualization and the law of attraction and all of that. And I think that's also got a lot to do with, you know, uh, our openness to meditation and mindfulness as well. And just realizing that there's so much more to our brains than we may have thought. And, um, and yeah, it's really exciting to see where all of this goes in the self-help, self-growth, um, and personal development realms. Yes. I'm more and more open to the magic myself. Mm. Um, but what I like is that there's with every successful tool that you, that you use, um, there's always a way to explain things rationally for Mm. people who, um, um, who like things to be rational and for those who want to be open to the magic because it's fun and because it's exciting, um, then there's that option too. But oftentimes both of those ways of thinking go in the same direction. So that's fortunate. Yeah, definitely. And I think you just got to do whatever you need to do to get your brain on board. um, Because yeah, you've got to believe you've got to believe in it. So that's so important. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. It's been so fascinating. I feel like I could talk to you, you know, for hours. I I just have one last question. And I'm sorry, it is kind of a big question. But you know, maybe just give your um, top tip if you want it. So uh, if there's anyone who's listening to this episode, episode right now and they're thinking you know I'm stuck in a job or a career that I'm really feeling emotionally you know unconnected uh, from and also it's not feeling good at all Um, is there any advice that you'd give that person to finding something that's more uh, in line with what they enjoy and more meaningful to them sure so for me the first step now that i have those tools um the first step i think is um is getting in place some kind of practice to um to become more aware of um of your current situation and what's going on in your brain so what are the thoughts that you're having what are the emotions that you are feeling as a result of those thoughts how um, are those emotions um, influencing your behavior in that job and really understanding what part of it is um, self-inflicted to a certain extent because you're having thoughts that, of course, are creating 
a negative perception of your situation, because it's only once you clear that up and um, and take responsibility for the part of the experience that is within your responsibility that you can see that you can make a peaceful decision mm -hmm. to either stay because you have improved your optimized your situation in a way that is actually to your taste or whether, you know, within yourself, you know that you have done the best that you could to fit into this situation mm -hmm. and now it's time to leave. The one exception that will, that I will make to this is that, um, if some kind of boundary is, um, is crossed, like if you are in a situation of harassment or violence of any kind, where you feel like you as a person, your integrity is, um, is, is not respected, mm. um, then, then, you know, don't, don't stay and optimize your thinking, <laughs> you know, just, just do what you have to do to protect your boundaries. Mm. But if there's no boundary issue and there's no violence, either moral or physical, it's worth it to stay in those, um, situations that don't necessarily feel good as an opportunity to understand what part of it is your thinking and what part of it is just that it's not a good fit for you. Yeah. And the reason for that is that if you feel like it's the job's fault, then you're going to take your thinking with you to that next job or that next relationship and and you won't have fixed the underlying cause. You will just have changed your circumstances. Yes. And so while you are in this circumstance that may be difficult for you, see what you can do. Take it as like a great classroom mm. to work on your mindset and optimize your mindset. And then if you still want to go, you go. Yeah. Oh, that's such great advice. Uh, you, you listening can't see me, but I'm just shaking my head, uh, nodding <laughs> my head, I mean. And uh, yeah, I think that's beautiful. And actually, you know what, before I left my corporate career and, um, and started my own business, I had to make that change with my work rather than going in every day being like, oh, I hate my job. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Um, going in and really seeing um, the job for, you know, what, what it was doing to serve me. And because I was in that positive frame of mind, very quickly, I got a lot of clarity about my situation. And because that, that hate, hating my job, that was actually clouding my vision. And I was, you're, you're so focused on the detail that you can't like zoom back and see and get perspective. So thank you so much for sharing that, because I think that's super helpful for anybody listening. And um, it's not something that we've, uh, anyone's uh, raised on the show to date. So that that's fantastic. Oh, that's thank thank you. you so much. And thank you once again for coming on. I'm so, I just, there's so many amazing points here. I can't wait to go back and listen to this again. Oh, and it's so lovely to connect with someone who also, you know, highly respects, you know, Jess's work and also Brooke. Um, it's, and, and is also, you know, another life coach and podcaster. <laughs> and yeah, so thank you so much for sharing this space with me today. Thank you so much. And I love your podcast. It's amazing. Oh, thank you. I wish I could listen to yours. I'm going to learn French. <laughs> well, you can listen. You can listen. You might not understand, but you can listen. That's true. That's true. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So there it is, my friend. Thank you so much, Clotilde, for coming on the podcast and sharing your beautiful insight and wisdom with us. I hope you felt like you were sitting there in the conversation with us. It was just like speaking to a close friend who I could talk to forever. It's one of my greatest joys in life to pick out the crumbs in a person's story that led them to where they are now. When we look at our own story, it's not always so obvious. 
And actually, I think it's one of my personal, you know, best skills that I have. Because looking at that example of wanting to be an actress in Clotilde's story and then pivoting when it didn't feel right, allowing her journey to unfold in the way it was always meant to. It's such a beautiful example for us all. And this is feminine energy at play, my friends. It's so cool. This is what life is like when you're living in balance with both your masculine and feminine. Life becomes a whole lot more easier, fun, and of course, creative. We release control to gain control, all of which we will be taking a deep dive into in Embrace Your Feminine Essence. You can thank Clotilde for coming on the show over on Instagram at ClotildeNet. I will have all her details in the show notes for this episode at LetitiaRinge.com forward slash Clotilde du Soulier. And we would love to hear how you guys like this one. What's resonated most for you? What was your biggest takeaway? Go ahead and take a screenshot on your phone of you listening to this episode and let us know that you love it. Now go on, beautiful, go out there, follow your joy, follow your inspiration, follow what you love and create a life that is beautiful to you. And if after listening to this episode, you're thinking, I would love to be a life coach too. I'm very, very happy to have a chat about life coaching with you. And also very exciting to now announce to now announce again that I have six new coaching spots opening up again with me in July. So feel free to send me a DM or an email or head over to my coaching page on my website. And you can find me at Create a Life That Is Beautiful or via my website at www.letisharinge.com. And again, if you feel so called, I would love to have you join me for my upcoming online course also with the opportunity to work with me and your fellow classmates over four weeks, live coaching calls together, go to www.letisharinge.com forward slash embrace your feminine essence. Thank you so much for taking the time and space today to join us. Otherwise, until next week, when I will have another episode and conversation to help you unlock your truth and purpose. Thank you so much for listening to the Create a Life That Is Beautiful podcast. If you feel so called, I would love it if you could please take a minute to rate and review this podcast on iTunes. This helps other people like you find it. And I also invite you to take a moment to share this episode with a friend you know needs to hear it. Have a wonderful week, my friend.